When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. It is not a victory Monday, but that's okay. It's okay. The world is not falling in. You do not win the Super Bowl you in sure? September. You sure? No. Nope. You sure that the it's world okay. is not ending? No, this is not a world is ending podcast this week. Uh, you, you do not win the Super Bowl in September. You do not lose the Super Bowl at the start of October. It was a humbling yesterday, absolutely, but the Dolphins remain three and one. You will not get any sort of sour faces or kind of the world is collapsing, I don't believe, on the podcast night, which is some statement coming out of, our, out of my mouth. But before we get to it, Alf is here, obviously. Chris is here, obviously. I'm Simon, obviously. This show is brought to you by our friends at Price Picks. Use the promo code three yards. That's three, the number three yards. Get a hundred dollar match bonus on your one hundred dipola. Hundred dipola. What's a dipola? Maybe I've got a hangover from yesterday. A dipola is a school that it's. Uh, where is DePaul? Where is DePaul? It just occurred to me that I don't know where DePaul is. <laughs> Chris, where is DePaul? Uh, I is that in Michigan or something? It's, it's, sounds, it's definitely it's like a Ch- Great Lakes type of yeah, right? Chicago. That is a classic. I know you're not a big basketball fan, Simon, but that is a yeah. classic college basketball program. That's a classic and just Final occurred, Four team, isn't it? Yeah, and it just occurred to me. They're in Chicago. I mean, is there an echo in here? <laughs> <laughs> it thought, just occurred to me. DePaul... I did not know where the hell that place was. I, I really thought it was a uh, it was a, you know a secondary coverage audible that uh, that meant that everybody everybody on the field cover one guy and leave everybody else on uh, you know uncovered. That thing is going to work so well against the Jets, Chris. Don't sell McFanny. Oh, there's going to be a draft that will pick. work actually. There's going to be a draft pick coming out soon called DePaul somebody or other. Anyway, isn't it? So we're kind of just as usual we're ahead of ourselves. Anyway, on your one hundred dollar deposit also by better edge go to betteredge.com forward slash five the number five reasons get twenty dollars just for signing up by gopuff.com use the promo code welcome 1010 that's one zero one zero get ten dollars off your first 10 orders by factormeals.com the promo code is three the number three yards per carry fifty five zero for fifty percent off your first order and by our old friends at manscaped welcome back, back to manscaped they're back they're back, they're back. ball toner all that sort of stuff. Remember those heady yes. days of the podcast. We may have football and dancing in the end zone. We might have Taylor Swift, 50-point wins, players getting their faces burnt off by fire pits. But the real MVP of this season is the all-new Beard Hedger Pro Kit by Manscaped. 
it is quite literally the Tyreek Hill of beard hedging, if you will. Apparently, boys, I don't know if you know this, apparently nine million men use Manscaped worldwide, which is about the percentage chances of the Jets winning the Super Bowl with Zach Wilson at quarterback. It could even do a job on Chris's beautiful long locks and Alf's Jerry Curl. And you can top it all off with some of Manscaped's liquid formations. Beard shampoo, beard oil, beard balm. That's easier to say than DePaul. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code 5RSN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code 5RSN. Your grass is not artificial, gentlemen and ladies. So keep it shaved with Manscaped. I still use my Manscaped 3.0 lawnmower or whatever it is. It's very handy. And when it runs out of battery, it's very frustrating mid-shave. I still use mine, and the ball toner is still uh, in the cupboard. I still, I, I still use it, and it's about time that they came back because I think I need an update. Yes, exactly, Manscaped. So, yeah. thank you very much indeed for in yeah, advance. Send us for, free for shit, free, Manscaped. Absolutely, for, oh, we're all about the free shit here at uh, here at Three Yards. By the way, do you think Big Fangio Manscapes? I was going to say unlikely, and he certainly doesn't use ball toner. Speaking of free shit. We have to get to it. We have to get to what happened yesterday. The first half of the show, we will talk about the offense and some of the situations that came up yesterday. Second half of the show, we'll talk about Vic. Uh, we'll talk about the defense and what happened and what went wrong and all those things that we can try and fix moving forwards. But as I say, do not fear. We are still three and one. Yes, we lost to the Buffalo Bills. Yes, it is a disappointing defeat. Yes, we got spanked a little bit. 48-20 is a bit of an uncomfortable scoreline. Yes, the Bills probably could have scored 60. But the bottom line, gents, is that, you know, we got outcoached, we got outschemed, we got outplayed. Uh, we probably turned up a bit arrogant. I thought the t-shirts was a really bad look. Um, and I, you know, if, if I was a Bills fan watching Josh Allen pull those t-shirt faces and Stefan Diggs pull the t-shirt faces, and if it was the boot was on the other foot, I'd have been thrilled. But ultimately, where I think it kind of, it, you know, it played out, and we'll get into the into the weeds in a sec. But you know, you look at, you know, their best players outplayed their best players. You know, Josh outplayed Tua. You know, Stefan Diggs outplayed Tyreek Hill. Murray and Cook outplayed um, Raheem Mostert. You know, these things happen. Dion Dawkins outplayed pretty much everybody on our offensive line. Rousseau and and Epineza outplayed our ends. The, the linebackers, Bernard and, and Milano, outplayed our linebackers. And in the secondary, again, we just got outplayed. And sometimes you just got to put your hands up and say, these things happen. We, we you know, we all have a tendency to get really excited and really upset and really kind of, but actually, you know, Steady ship, steady ship. It's disappointing, but it's not the end of the season. No, it's not the end of the season. Uh, there was some good. Uh, it basically ended at the middle of the, of the second quarter, but all the signs were there that this was not to be this day. Um, you can't try to go score for score, and then their scores never seem to end. 31 points and a half is historic. And if you don't think it's historic, the Dolphins scored 70 when they scored 35 and a half. So... And and I do, by the way, I do agree with you. If the Bills step on it a little bit, maybe they push 60. It was yeah. that bad. Um, but that's why I said earlier on, uh, sometimes some of the players on the team, and I, I get the feeling that some of the players did uh, this time around. You could tell by the comments that Tua made after the game. But sometimes you just got to stay on schedule and put up 30 points to really highlight what went wrong, wrong in this game. And you could lay the entire defeat at the hands or, or the feet of the entire defense, 
And the interior offensive line was absolutely manhandled. And they were game planned against, by the way. It was Buffalo's entire plan to just flood the A-gap. And guess who was manning the A-gap this time? It was Liam Eikenberg. So can you say that it'll be better next time? Absolutely. But it has to it has to start with not having Liam Eikenberg at center, having Connor, a healthy Connor Williams at center. And, of course, a completely different game plan on defense and getting some of those players back. Uh, this defense is poor. It has been poor. And it was actually mad. The, their deficiencies, deficiencies were actually masked a little bit by that score against Denver because I thought that Russell Wilson had some success against them. So they got a lot of work to do. The yeah. The good news is that that they have a lot of work to do in the three and one. And they're, they're I, I hate to say that they're getting a soft landing spot, but let's face it. They're getting a soft landing spot. They should win these next two games, which will put them at five and one before a showdown game. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Agree on all counts. Yeah. We're the number one offense, Chris, the number 29 defense. It's kind of almost in a way back to those classic Dan Marino days where our mm-hmm. offense was unbelievable. We just couldn't stop anybody on defense. But the one thing I think fans need to remember as well, and we're, we're as guilty as that of, of anybody, we can get very emotional about these things in the moment, but this Buffalo didn't become a bad team overnight either. Did they, there was some, you know, there was some, they've got some quality players, some quality coaches. And I think, in the long run, this might be good for the Dolphins. It brings everybody back a little bit level. It just curbs that sort of slight arrogance that a couple of players hinted at in the locker room afterwards. It just feels like, you know, long-term, this might not be the worst thing that could happen to the Dolphins. Yeah, I agree. But um, one thing to point out is, you know, I, I know that this is going to sound like an excuse to a lot of people, but facts are facts. And and if you look across the, the wide landscape of the NFL and, and this happens to any other team, it's sort of like as a person who would like pick games against the spread and stuff like that, you know, it, it happened. This was their third traveling, you know, in four games, you know, three, three times they've been traveling in the last, like what, 22 days or something like that. I mean, that's, the third road trip, road game, and and out of four games, kind of, you know, hey, they they turned up, they turned up bad, you know, they just really did. But I think that you're right, this needed to happen because of what it exposed the most, yeah. Um, which I think is communication, yeah. Uh, communication and everybody being on the same page with one or the, another. Tua Tungavaloa really um, emphasized that a lot after the game. Um, said that there was uh, that things were not running as uh, as tight and clean. Um, it, you know the the crowd got to him a little bit. He he took a lot of the blame onto himself. And to be fair, when you really go back and look at it, he he really did not have as you know the kind of game that we we expect from him uh, all the way around. It wasn't just you know a bad throw here or there. Um, so communication on offense was clearly lacking. And then on defense, I, I swear to God, just go to any single big play that the Bills made on the day and uh, look at the all 22. And I guarantee you will find uh, something that makes you just say, you know, what what in God's name is that? There's two players covering the same guy. There's, you know, somebody who is just left completely by himself there is a a ridiculously blown tackle um it it was a comedy of errors and they needed that to happen i think to get everybody to really you know lock in and take this you know not that they weren't taking it seriously who 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 are we to say that anybody's anybody there is not taking it seriously but they certainly need to lock in better than they did and they had horrible, horrible communication, execution, 
And it really went to both sides of the ball. Yeah, we were looking at um, some photos on OnlyFans earlier on, weren't we, breaking down, and and you highlighted a um, a scenario. And look, for those people that you know don't really dig into the weeds on a Vic Fangio defense, Vic likes light boxes, uh, and what that means is you know guys in the secondary attacking the line of scrimmage, so it looks you know the the picture changes as the, as the snap happens, and uh, and light boxes, I not many linebackers, not many people at that second level or often become flooded into that second level to try and, you know, it, it's a chess match. Football is a chess match. And there is a fantastic shot on the Stefan Diggs touchdown where he turns Kader Kohu inside out and catches it in the left bottom left-hand corner where you've got the two linebackers, Baker and Long, uh, and the two safeties who I assume are certainly Holland and probably Brandon Jones. And all four are literally caught in no man's land. And you're just <laughs> looking like, what is happening? And they've taken the cheese massively. And and and, and Josh has a, 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 a corner out to, to Diggs, which is where he went with the touchdown. He also has a, a slant across the middle, which is a wide open touchdown. And then on the far side, the Z receiver is has position on Xavier and Howard and any throw inside is also a touchdown. So literally three routes, three touch. Josh could pick what everyone wanted to do and it, stuff like that just, just blows your mind. But... Alf, let's dig into the offense first of all in the, in this half. And the, I, I've written a, lo- a series of notes which we'll get to, which we'll get to you know, the, the line and Eichenberg and palm coverages and and Tua specifically and contested releases and what happened to Jalen Waddle and those sorts of things. But the, the first three points that I've got down are really we can kind of cover themselves in the same question really. And it's Mike McDonald kind of outsmarting himself a little bit. We had six runs in the first half. That's just not going to get it done. Bad third and fourth and short decision-making yet again, especially on the road, especially in Buffalo where we outsmarted ourselves again. And he admitted there's much today in the press conference that, you know, he abandoned the run too early. We are all massive Mike McDaniel fans. We love the guy. We absolutely love the guy. And we're all certain that we've got the right head coach, but he, at some point he's got to start to learn from some of these because we sit here and rip guys like Brandon Sadie for his ridiculous decision-making on fourth downs and some of the decisions he makes. But but McDaniel is guilty of similarly stupid decisions in critical moments that end up looking bad for him, isn't he? Absolutely. And uh, you go no further than that fourth and one that, for all intents and purposes, ended any shot at some type of miracle late in that game. Um, Run the ball. Yeah. Yes, you got to run the ball. First of all, you get the right alignment. I posted a picture on OnlyFans. I'll post it on Twitter uh, after this show posts so so people know what I'm talking about. Uh, you got the right alignment. If you look at the pictures, and I'm actually looking at it right now, you got one, two, three, four, five box defenders to the left side of the ball. You got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven dolphins to the left side of the ball. That's called a leverage run, ladies and gentlemen. And on fourth and one, that's precisely the alignment that you want. Buffalo made a mistake in their defensive play call, and you called a pass. <laughs> so so uh, you actually got what you wanted by alignment. And I know there's a check there because there was a run action on that play, which means that to all he has to do is just hand it off. Like, uh, it's it's that simple. So absolutely, I, I completely agree with you. And then all of a sudden, you find your running game late in that game where you have the A-chain drive. And by the way, this kid is something, uh, I think, uh, as advertised. So that's the good news, the only good news to come out of this game. But you have a running game. You have a really good running game. I suspect, I don't have the numbers in front of me, are they number one in, in the league in running? They they got another, what, 140, 150 yeah. in this game? Uh, that's good enough if it, if there's some type of balance. And, and that's, that's precisely what... 
that sorry, that fourth down call though, that 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 was a shot play. They were trying to go Tyreek Hill to the end zone on that play. Just just either yep. Either line Durham smart do what they, they did really successfully last season with Durham coming in and a bit of confusion to us sort of walking to the sideline. Durham in motion coming in, taking the snap, picking up the first down. Chris Brooks is six foot one, two hundred and twenty-three pounds. Just give it to Brooks. You got the best fullback in the league in terms of blocking and anarchy gold. You know, it, we're we're kind of we're out thinking ourselves at times, and it's just stupid. Yeah, yeah, I think that on that play, on that play in particular, you can you can also probably just point to the scoreboard and say. You know, down forty-one to twenty, I think uh, at that point in the game, and and Mike McDaniel is just like, "Hey, we need to we need to get some big chunks, some big plays." But I I I think that Mike is probably when he admits that they give up and gave up on the run. I think he's probably thinking about that play. Um, you know, the issue that I have on that play, aside from the philosophical that you bring up, Simon, which is you know this is that was one hundred percent a shot play. Um, but it could have popped open. Like, in fact, it did pop open. Yeah. Uh, it's just that Tua didn't uh, didn't have the time to get the ball off the way that you know he normally could in that situation. And you know that's where I sort of bring up issues where you know we have this we have this blocking scheme which seems you know obviously not an expert. I'm not an offensive line coach, but it seems like it's set up very well to cover for, you know, some of the, the tackles and, um, and things like that. But either way, when you have a blocking scheme where you've got six in to block four, and, and that was a play where Durham Smythe acted as a sixth offensive lineman um, to try and protect this, uh, this sh- shot play, as you, as you described it. Uh, how do you end up with the weakest of those blockers, Durham Smythe, uh, being on an island by himself against an edge rusher yeah. and having to hold out for, you know, three or four seconds because it's a shot play. Yeah. It, it it does not make sense. And, and it so happened multiple times. Yeah, and it did. And, and things like that happened a lot. And there were, there were plays where, you know, they slid a certain way, they slid and pulled a certain way, and, and you're like, okay, but that really put, Liam Eikenberg, who you know is going to be your weak link in the offensive line. This is the first game he's probably ever started at center, um, and you know, in his whole life, uh, you know he's going to be the weak weak link. And yet, you're you've got schemes that seem like they're not helping him out. They're actually helping other players out who may not might not need the help as much. And um, and that's that's questionable. Yeah, yeah. Alfie, Com- there agree. are times that you, you know, unless you're Rob Gronkowski or you're George Kittle or you are one of those specific blocking, you go go back and look at a guy like Lee Smith who, out of Toledo who played for a number of teams. Unless you're one of those guys, you're just not going to be able to handle a you know a five technique an edge rusher one on one for multiple seconds, especially when your quarterback's turning his back to the defense, which is what's happening more and more with Tua because that's the absolute staple of a Shanahan offense is that your quarterback on play action turns his back to the defense completely. It's an awful lot to ask Durham Smythe to hold up against an AJ Epinesa or, you know, because that could have been Von Miller. You Do do you really want Durham Smythe one-on-one against a Von Miller or do you want a Joey Bosa or a whoever it is that we play? You know, that, that to me seems reductive in terms of what you're trying to achieve. And I totally get that you're trying to get teams to buy the cheese that that is, you know, all the linemen moving one way. And if that means Austin Jackson is pulling down to the left and therefore it leaves Durham or if, if Tehran or whoever it is is playing left tackle is going the other way. I, I understand that, but at some point the quarterback's got to be given the opportunity to set his feet and actually make a throw because, you know, 
if he's getting crunched by a defensive end because you, your tight end can't hold up, understandably against one of the best run against one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, then what chance have we got? Yeah, and they kept and they kept doing it, and they did it all game. And there's play, there's a play in the first quarter where they they run that cross contain with uh, with Durham Smythe, and here's the good news: Teron Armstead and Isaiah Wynn absolutely demolish Ed Oliver. Here's the bad news: they use Durham Smythe to cross contain against Greg Rousseau. Like uh, that's not a that's not a good that's not a good trade off. But there was also okay. a, there was also a play where they gave it where actually Smythe held up his block longer than Win, uh, whoever it was at left tackle. It could have been Armstead and Achan, and it was Rousseau on that side that ended up sacking Tua, and 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 uh, Smythe holds up long enough on on Epinesa. It's like what I just there there are just some yeah I remember the play. That, I remember the play. They ran a they ran a two by one on Kendall Lamb. Okay, and, Wondell, and Waddle's coming. Waddle's flashing open again. Yeah, and you see the Kendall Lamb starts on his kick side, and he says, "Holy crap!" Here comes, uh, I believe it was Micah Hyde that was shooting the the B gap, and he says, "I got a block down." He absolutely blows up Micah Hyde, but once he blows up Micah Hyde, here comes Greg, Greg Rousseau unblocked, and Achan just ran right past him and just looked at him like. Okay, that's nice. Throw me the ball, Tua, before you die here. And sure enough, he got there too fast. But yeah, um, Chris yeah after, after watching the offensive line, it was in this game. Oddly enough, I thought Austin Jackson actually played pretty well, and I thought he played his best half of football in his career in that first half. Low bar. The rest of the line had issues. The interior <laughs> of the line was absolutely Sorry. off. I caught that, Simon. Yeah, yeah, good. I'm glad someone did. Chris, where are we with them? Um, where are we realistically with Liam Eikenberg? Because, you know, I know we've been critical of him at tackle and at guard. And in many respects, I actually feel sorry for him being chucked in at centre, a position he's never played before and told, you know, hold up against $65 million Ed Oliver. You know, yeah, it, we're... It, it's difficult for the guy. You know, look, I know he's an offensive lineman, but, you know, there are very, very specific things that you need as a centre, not only making line calls and but also the way you block and, you know, in terms of it's not easy for him to, to play that, but, you know, at some point the rubber's got to meet the road with, with this guy and it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen. And I don't blame him. I, I, I also, and you've made this point and you made it on social media and also on OnlyFans that, you know, trading away your backup center as we did with Dan Feeney to Chicago doesn't seem like a particularly sensible thing to do when all of a sudden you're in a situation where Connor can't go. And then we're getting a college left tackle who played three years for, for Notre Dame left tackles, all of a sudden got to slide in and play center at a moment's notice, having re- never done it in a game before in his entire, like I look back at even his high school record, he's never played center before in his life. And yet you're asking him to do it on the road in the noise, probably the noisiest, second noisiest stadium in the league behind Seattle. We're asking him to, to hold up against one of the better in, you know, defenses in, well, the best defense in football, as it, as it turns out, not an easy job. Yeah. Not at all. And I feel, I feel really bad for him. I, I, as you say, I feel bad for him. I, I think where we're at with him to go back to, you know, the question is that he needs a change of scenery. I think that's where we're at. And, um, and it's unfortunate for him. You know, it's, I always listen, players can always play better and then they won't find themselves in this situation. So um, so it's not like I'm going to say that none of it is his fault or anything, but he certainly hasn't had a good set of circumstances in terms of the way that he's been moved around and, and he hasn't had the ability to, and, and there, 
they're continuing to do it. Even in this coaching staff, which has not been as guilty as doing the whole, um, you know, move around everywhere and play every single position. They haven't really been the coaching staff to do that as much as the previous. And yet here we are. He's starting a game at center. He's probably never started a game at center in his life. He's snapping the ball. He had bad snaps in the game. Um, you know, that's that's not on him. And then you have and then you have uh, a lot of instances in the game where um, where clearly he wasn't holding up in pass protection, but he's also not getting help. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if you know that this is happening, why wouldn't you get the man as much help as 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 you could? And for all that we're talking about, how we have strengths on the offensive line with Teron Armstead on one side or played half nearly half the game. So, you know, that's great. Um, and uh, and then Austin Jackson on the other side, legitimately having taken a next step and being a, a solid player most of the time. So, okay, well then let's let's not focus so much on getting them the help. Let's focus on getting the guy Liam Eikenberg in the center some help. And and I don't think they did a good job of that. But the good news, Simon, is that for all the things, for all our bitching and moaning about things on the offense, the offensive line, Liam Eikenberg, Tua not having his best day, having some having some bad throws. We didn't even mention Raheem Mostert, you know, carrying the ball like a loaf of bread and getting uh and getting caught with fumbles. That's a uh, yeah, and, and and so I we haven't even mentioned that, but for all of that. You know, first drive after the after the the halftime, they score a third touchdown. They probably would have scored at least one or two more if the score environment were different. If they weren't, if they did not have the scoreboard beating them down with pressure, well, um, they had one. You know, they were still moving. They had one touchdown taken off the board because sure. Liam Eikenberg was wandering into yeah. the end zone for no no. Well, think reason. about think about the fourth. Think about the fourth down play that uh, that we're we're complaining about the fourth and one that turned turnover on downs. If that were a tighter game and not forty one to twenty, I think Mike McDaniel makes a more sensible call there. Or you even know, if it's I, not, I think... and Connor's at center, then that the Jalen who comes open wide open across the middle just a split second after the end gets his hands around two as waist. That doesn't happen sure. with Connor. Do you know what I mean? And you know, right? The touchdown to Waddle stays on the board because connor isn't getting his getting downfield illegally like you know liam did because you know that's just not his natural you know it's not his natural environment so in a way simon you could look at this game and say for all the things that we complain about on offense that that went clearly went wrong and we didn't like um this is a good defense this was on the road as i said before their third road game out of four games uh, and they were still moving the ball and scoring and scoring touchdowns and then, you know, caved in when the scoreboard pressure just got to be too much. And I think, and I think, I think that there's something to take out of that. Yeah, I think it's a sensible wake-up call, as we talked about earlier on. Alf, we, we discussed on the previous show about, look, how Buffalo were going to try and do this on defense, and we said, you know, could they get home with four? 30% pressure rate was the third highest of the league, I think, behind Philadelphia and certainly Cleveland, and that's what they were able to do. But also, you know, the the how they did it on the back end, the palm coverage is outside. They drop the two safeties and you don't really see that very often in the league these days, dropping two safeties deep because teams just get beaten. But those athletic, those certainly those two athletic linebackers in Terrell Bernard and obviously Matt Milano, who's just a brilliant player, but also Teron Johnson, who just w- had a superb game as that kind of nickel linebacker, 
big nickel who you know they're, they're just so athletic on the second level in terms of you know attacking the line of scrimmage or dropping off in coverage made it very very difficult for for the dolphins and sometimes you just got to hold your hands and say you know what we were kind of out schemed absolutely and they did nothing uh, i would say special uh they stayed pretty much uh, true to what they do but when you think they were more the... exotic in terms of how they moved around and the charges were more exotic in terms of how they moved around in the immediate mm. seconds before the snap. Absolutely. But one thing that Buffalo did do is that, man, when they play with the league, okay, and they know that you can't start isolating their their ethos. Their, their, it's, it's almost an ideology that they have on defense. They're going to expose their nickel. They're going to expose their scrape linebackers. So if you could get hats on Milano and on Teron Johnson, you're going to be successful in the run game. But when you're not on schedule and you're fighting the scoreboard, then it's almost impossible because then that pass rush does get home and they are sticking in coverage and they are very good on the flats. Uh, So the thing I noticed, mate, is that too many contested releases as well. And it did feel like there were less, the the same amount of motions, but maybe less late speed motions that we've seen than we've seen earlier in the season. And I do wonder when we play Buffalo again, or even when we play Kansas City or Philadelphia you know, other teams, I suspect you might see more of like the CFL motions in terms of like mm. almost much wider motions to stop because it felt like Tyreek was certainly getting um, and credit the the Bills corners, you know, Dane Jackson and, and those guys for getting hands on at the line of scrimmage. But it does feel like Mike will go back and say, look, more CFL type releases where if you if you don't watch the CFL, but, you know, guys sort of start off almost 10, 15 yards behind the quarterback. And as the quarterback snaps, they, they've set off and they're hitting full speed when they get to the line of scrimmage. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that specifically, but I think there will be wider motions where it, it's much more difficult to get your hands on guys. That that certainly seemed like an issue yesterday, guys. And it just contested releases, which meant that Tua was sometimes needed to, you know, w- we saw him so often not be able to hone in on his first read. He goes to his second read. Maybe that was taken away as well by the linebacker. And then, you know, those balls that are coming out so quickly because the line is collapsing, that just causes problems. I think that, I think that you have to take into account the environment and there was, yeah. there was not as crisp organization happening before the staff. You keep in mind that what Miami has done is they basically started the play clock, you know, before the snap. Um, and that's that's their innovation this season is that they're they're you know basically treating when from the moment that they come out of the huddle, everything is really the play at that point. And um, and the organization that went into that uh, pre-snap, uh, you know, all the all the choreography was not there. It wasn't as crisp um, yesterday. And I think that, you know, Tua pointed to the environment that it was loud. It was, uh, it was rough. And uh, that goes back to the stadium. Yeah. And, and that goes back to your point earlier. Have, have we proved that uh, you you brought this up offline? Uh, Have we proved we can go up to Buffalo and win in the playoffs? You know, if, if that crowd noise was such an issue for the offense, and they did produce anyway to some degree. But um, if that crowd noise is such an issue to where they can't be so uh, as crisp as they need to be, they can't communicate as well and be as organized as they need to be, um, then they need to find solutions to that. They need to they need to figure that out before we get into January. Uh, we all, just in case we are. We, we all think we could go on the road and win a game in Buffalo, right? We all think that the Dolphins could do that. 
Sure. I don't think any of us mm. are convinced that they would do that. And I suspect that most of us would say that you put the chances at about 30%. And I think that's what we've got to change, isn't it? Because otherwise, you know, mm-hmm. whatever we think about the Bills, probably the road to the playoffs, the road to the Super Bowl goes through Orchard Park and and probably, you know, depending, you know, Kansas City don't look, you know, there's a, a lack of speed on that offense. But, you know, th- those teams are going to come good. And you've got to win those games in Buffalo. And I think we think we could do it, but actually... I wouldn't necessarily put my mortgage on it. Alf, there are a couple of things that we, just before we get to break here, kind of Jalen Waddle didn't really seem to be much of the, you know, I kind of write where's Waddle in terms of where's Wally, you know, he kind of didn't feel, and I saw there was some frustration at times as a play. And we talked about it again offline on, on uh, OnlyFans earlier on, Chris and I were talking about it where Tua hits Raheem Mostert and it's kind of slightly thrown behind him and Mostert drops it and Waddle sort of slaps his hands against his, against his hips and turns away and kind of discuss because he is literally wide open and part one of this question is you know game planning around Waddle didn't seem to focus on him especially as Tyreek was doubled most of the time but also there are times you know I didn't think Tua was bad yesterday at all and I didn't think he was amazing and Chris has, has touched very eloquently on on the reasons why but there are sometimes I think with Tua where he needs sometimes to come away from that first and second reads on the play side. So if you're looking at the if you're looking at the Dolphins field, the play side would essentially be the left hand side where the, the the left tackle is. That's the play side, and then the boundary or the field side is the other side. But you there are times where he hones in on those first and second reads play side, and you just want him to come backside just a little bit more because there really are some throws there. And I get part of that as the timing of the offense. I also get that. You know, maybe the timer in his head goes off a little bit more quickly because of the injuries that he's had and those sorts of things. But just once or twice, there are plays available that maybe he just doesn't get to that would see him elevate even more in terms of his talent. Absolutely. And there should have been some some design passes as well for for Waddle. You have to get him involved. You have to put the the ball in, in your playmaker's hands. And yesterday, it seemed like they had Waddle. And maybe it's a, a residue from the, the, the concussion, although he says that there's there's nothing to, to talk about as far as any residual effects from his concussion. But if you watch it on the All-22, they have him do a lot of dirty work for everybody else, including on the Berrios, uh, the big Berrios completion on their second touchdown drive when it looked like this thing was going to be like 45-42. Uh, he's open on the corner route, but Tua doesn't even look his way. Tua just sees the break, and he's throwing the break. And sure enough, Berrios catches it, and it's a first down. But uh, it didn't seem like he was a huge part of the game plan either. And I think he's a guy that you have to throw some design passes to, meaning some screens. And I don't mind having him run some of the end-around stuff as well that has been gone since Ezukama uh, has been injured. So you got to get him the ball. And he's a guy that will talk. He's not a shrinking violet. Like, he's a guy that will... You know, he'll talk to Tua. He'll say, hey, man, you know, you got to you gotta get me on this. And he'll, talk, he'll speak up in, in meetings. And I think that that's... That should be at the top of the priority list as far as things that they have to fix on the offense. Absolutely at the very, very, very top. Yeah. We are going to break now, but if you are Vic Fangio's mother or father, I would suggest turning off now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage to your home or business? Are you having trouble locating a five-star rated general contractor that is fully licensed, certified and insured if the answer is yes then water cleanup of florida is here for you 24 hours a day with over 60 years of combined experience michael robert jorge and their team is prepared to handle any size property damage disaster when an unexpected damage occurs to your home or business you need specialized fast and reliable services water cleanup of florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause their objective is to make the cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed general contractor, so they provide the A to Z service, one-stop shopping that business homeowners and business owners require. Water Cleanup of Florida is now an authorized dealer of Eurocraft cabinets, so premier kitchen, bath, and laundry cabinetry, countertops, and other accessories are available for your viewing at their showroom in Boca Raton. Or, do you prefer to shop from your home or office? Then Water Cleanup will send you one of our design specialists to you with samples and products that fit your style and budget. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone if you have any questions at 954-579-0356. That's 954-579-0356. Or visit the website at wcufl.com. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And please check out their more than 80 five-star reviews on Google and Facebook. Water Cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per Carry. Welcome back to Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Simon Clancy. The Dolphins lost 48 to 20 yesterday, but we are not too down. We're trying to give some reasoning as to why, and that's certainly what we did in the first half with the offense. It's the defense's turn now. And as I said before break, if you are a member of the Fangio family, probably time to turn off now because it was not, I mean, it's not been good performances at all, really. A couple of big performances in critical moments, the the, the late game heroics um, a couple of times early on in the season. But yesterday was a massive, massive problem. And we just didn't look, well, I mean, Alf, you take it away. We just did not look prepared we didn't look in didn't play situationally very well nothing seemed to work and it's you know we'll try and put some fingers on why but give us a kind of an overall how you see it as to what went wrong yesterday well what went wrong is really easily explained by one set of statistics Xavier Howard had actually a really really nice game against the Patriots he was actually not that great against uh, Denver and he was uh kind of average against the Chargers, but he's had a decent start to the season. This game will go down as one of his better games that he's ever played against Buffalo because he was only targeted twice. He gave up one catch for eight yards. He had a pass breakup. He had three tackles. One of them were solo. Now, if I told you that stat line and you dug into a little bit, like immediately if I told you that stat line, you said, oh my God, the Dolphins won this thing going away, right? But if you dig into it, where did the rest of those yards go? Where did all those targets go? They went to the other side of the field. If you're inducing throws to digs on your inferior defenders 
And I still think that at this stage, I trust Xavier Howard in a bigger game than anybody than anybody else. If if you you could just go look at those two games that Diggs had last year against Xavier Howard, uh, they were his average games. They were not you know blowout games. And I believe he only had one touchdown, and that was in the playoffs. He'd had none in the regular season. I still trust Xavier Howard to get that assignment most of the game, or at least switch it up. But don't be static, because what you were was static. And when Josh Allen only tests Xavier Howard twice in 58 snaps, 33 of which were pass snaps, there's something wrong with how you called the defense. And we can get into the fronts and all that stuff, but there's there's some stuff on film. This week is not going to be a good week. And mm. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be a good week in those defensive meetings because I am pretty certain. And this goes on. This goes on all of them and everybody. It goes on Javon Holland. He's a captain. He calls he calls the secondary switches sometimes. Uh, Xavier Howard calls the switches on his side, but since they didn't throw his side, you know he's going to look all right in, on tape. This goes on all of those guys because if you just lose Deshaun Elliott and all hell breaks loose in your secondary, then you got deeper issues. And I, I'm pretty sure we're going to we're going to talk about this later on in in this 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 part of the show, but. I think they're in desperate need of adding a safety. If you do not trust Verone McKinley to activate him in the most obvious spot to activate him, then he, maybe he shouldn't be on the team. Maybe you should get rid of him and replace him with somebody that you do trust to activate on a Sunday when you absolutely positively need a quarters or deep type safety. And I thought it was just completely disappointing all around. And I don't understand that part. Like they obviously need a safety because they don't trust what they have behind Deshaun Elliott. That's obvious. And Brandon Jones, I don't know if if he's still, you know, fighting coming back from that ACL, but we do know one thing. We've seen him here for four years. He is not a quarters. He is not a deep single high type safety. He's good close to the line of scrimmage. He's good 15 yards and in. Uh, Out in space, asking him to cover vast, you know, vast swaths of, of, of parts of the field it's not him he's not even uh, maybe you could get away with it a little bit if you play him a little bit in cover three because it's a smaller area but he's not who they tried to fit him in this past weekend and it's obvious they need help there and look if you're not going to activate Verone McKinley why is he on the roster just go get somebody that you will activate or trade for somebody and I'm pretty sure that uh, Chris will have that somebody later on in this part of the Chris, show why why can't they stop the run well why can't they stop the run is they because they want to go with uh with lighter boxes as you mentioned before which i'm not convinced i'm not all the way convinced that there was that big of a problem with that in this game there was a big there was a, a very big run um by uh by uh, what's his name um on the bills uh latavius murray um, well there's yeah latavius murray there was a there was a really big run with him and that that was an instance of just you know straight up safety came up missed the tackle um and otherwise it wouldn't have been an explosive play but otherwise you know if you if you look at the average it it wasn't that bad i think there was a lot of other issues in this game and you know there were issues against the run in other um in other games but this one i think is just all about miscommunications and everybody not being on the same page because again you go back to it and alf said it just because deshaun elliott 
misses, who has an injury history, by the way, misses, misses a game, your secondary should not fall apart the way it did. And it fell apart. Okay, it wasn't just Cater Kohu, you know, getting schooled by Stefan Diggs, because that that's I I don't even think that that's an accurate description of what was happening. Um, It was a lot of everybody. I mean, there's there's a play late in the game, the um, just before the final touchdown, you know, Um, Josh Allen had the final touchdown where he he ran. He ran over right guard for uh, 11 yards to get it. But before that, there's a big 34 yard or two to Gabe Davis. What in the hell coverage was that? What in the hell kind of communication was that? Because there's guys down the field on that right side, two of them almost looking like they're they're a little too close together on the Bills players, but nobody covering them. And Kelvin Joseph was was on the field on that play, and he looks like you know there 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 seem to be when there's a motion, there's a communication between Javon um, Javon uh, Holland and um, Brandon Jones, and then Brandon Jones tried to very last second come up and communicate with the corners, and and nobody got it, and there's a guy running free. Well, there are plays like that all over this game, and so that's where I think the embarrassment comes in. Because they should be embarrassed. The secondary coach should be embarrassed. You know, Vic Fangio should be embarrassed. The players should be embarrassed. Because this is not an issue of, you know, just like, oh, Cater Kohu got called for defensive pass, kind of a ticky-tack defensive pass interference. Okay? This is more of an issue where how is Cater Kohu having to cover an entire half of the field against Stephon Diggs, not even impress? While the Dolphins are in like a zero look, a zero cover look, but also with zero pressure. I mean, it's the play you described before where you have two linebackers and two safeties, both sitting, all four of them sitting between the hashes playing a card game with each other. And and meanwhile, you have two guys on the right side who are in man coverage uh, all the way and, you know, with zero help and they're getting beat. And meanwhile, on the left side, you have Cater Kohu having to cover half of the entire field against Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen is in the backfield reading Tolstoy. You know, there's, there's no pressure on him. So he loves it. Well, this is, this is, this is clearly an issue with the coaching. This is clearly an issue with the coaching and with the players actually not getting the coverages, not communicating the coverages. Um, I would say we just got outplayed if, if I felt like we just got outplayed on defense. And in some respects, we did. But in a lot of respects, they didn't even give them chel- uh, themselves the opportunity to, you know, play better than the Bills or to have the Bills play better than them because yeah. they were just too busy not knowing what the fuck was going on. Big fan of Anna Canary. Can I, I knew. I fucking knew. I fucking knew. <laughs> I was going to fuck that pronunciation up. I mean, come on. A big fan of Eric. Anna, I've done it again. He likes War and yeah. Peace. Fuck it. There you go. There's your toll story for you. Um, Alf, Chris has highlighted exactly the, the issues. One of the issues for me and one of the, the problems for me, and look, none of us will be jumping on the Christian Wilkins is a bad player bandwagon because he's patently not. He's patently an outstanding player. He's a complete leader, and we, we all want him on this team. But the the issue that I have with Christian and the and I'm sure this is the reason why he hasn't had a contract is that he does not affect the game 
you know, rushing the passer. And you look last night at the late game, which was excellent, turned out to be excellent. But, you know, in that game, you have Chris Jones and you have Quinn and Williams, two guys who affect the passing game because they can rush the passer. Chris, Chris Jones, double digit sacks, Quinn and Williams getting there. Uh, and there are other defensive tackles who do that. Christian Wilkins wants to be paid as the highest paid defensive player in the league. I think Quinnen's contract was 95, 96 million. And realistically, because he doesn't affect the pass game, he really should be paid like Kenny Clark, the excellent defensive tackle of the, of the Green Bay Packers, who I think is on about 75 million over his contract. It's going to be very difficult for the Dolphins to find a happy medium where they're fulfilling, you know, what Christian wants, but trying to retain the fact that this is not a player who can affect the pass rush when the Dolphins need him most. But the worrying thing over the start of the season is that he's not really been able to stop the run either. Yeah, uh, he has not had uh, a good start to a season. And there was times in that in that Broncos game where I felt, you know, uh, the score is kind of cute, but I'm I'm watching you, Christian, and I see what you're doing. <laughs> Okay, and he knew the passes were coming, and he's trying to game on on the on the defensive line to try to get pressure, try to get hits on the quarterback. He actually got two hits on Russell Wilson, so it was actually successful. But he didn't get the sacks. <laughs> okay, he didn't get the sacks. Although he had one the week before uh, against uh, against uh, he had one against Herbert. He did not have one against. So he has one on the season. Uh, he does not affect the quarterback as a pass rusher, and in this system. They have him reading two gaps most of the time. And I thought that he got absolutely stoned yesterday. I believe he only had one play where he actually got in and got the pressure and got a half of a quarterback hit. And PFF is actually giving him credit for a pretty good game yesterday. I rewatched the game. Uh, he was not good. Uh, Osiris Torrance, the, that uh, Buffalo Bills good guard. Player. Yeah, uh, he, he can play. Player. Dion he can Dawkins, play. Man, he's one of the most underrated players in the league. Dion Dawkins is a good player. Yeah, yeah. No, they have they have some good players on there. Oddly enough, Spencer Brown is absolutely awful, and we couldn't affect the game at all going at him. Uh, although he he is credited, I believe, with giving up both sacks to to Andrew Van Ginkle. Although the second one, I don't think, really was on him. Uh, that was just a miscommunication. But I'm I'm starting to see it your way uh, as far as stopping the run. I didn't think they were all that bad in this game. They gave up the 29-yard run to Murray, but 109 yards, 3.6 yards per carry, you take that before the game. I thought that all their all their problems on defense were complete miscommunication on on in the secondary and their secondary was absolutely toast. But playing this two this this two-gap system for Christian Wilkins where you're essentially playing the run on the way to the quarterback, I think has him doing way too much. Yeah. And he's not able to affect the the passing game at all in 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 this instance. And essentially Zach Suter is the one that's getting all of the good opportunities. And I think that the system on its own is playing him down that Kenny Clark contract. And I completely see it your way. Uh, I thought that this could have been a, a big season for him. Uh, he is not taken to the system at all. And mm. I hope, I hope. I did see some evidence of this against Denver, but you understand it could get, you know, guys could get a little loopy when it's 70 to 10 to 20. Um, I hope that he's not going to start hunting sacks and quarterback hits. Hmm. Uh, I hope he's not going to do that because that will completely, completely destroy whatever chemistry that he has with Zach Sealer and probably damage the defense even further. 
Stacks and quarterback hits would have been nice on Sunday, Chris, wouldn't wouldn't they? Because yeah, we really could not affect the Josh Allen in any way, shape, or form with our pass rush. And you know, I don't want to pile on Bradley Chubb, but each passing game that that contract and that giving up the first round pick doesn't look like a particularly smart decision because he's really not uh, affecting the game week in week out in the way that you would expect him to do, given his uh, given what he's taking home financially. Well, that's the shame of it um, because, you know, it's now become, I think we can say in this defense um, that it's a little up and down for him because there have been ups uh, this season. So it'd be one thing if we haven't seen that yet, but we have. Um, So it's a little up and down for him. This is where I would probably caution a little patience um with with respect to the uh the defensive front players and the linebackers and i realize that both uh sets of players are kind of whipping boys right now um you know they're the they're, they're the guys that are really getting getting you know people people are really just like going down on those or getting down on those guys and i think that if you if you wait a little bit, if you wait toward the end of the season, you're going to see a little bit different results. And because I think this is the area of Vic Fangio's defense where it, it, it's, it takes a while for the technique to really slide into place. And um, I don't think that's the same thing on the back end necessarily with the communication and the, um, you know, who's covering who and stuff like that. I think that that should be, that should have already been established uh, in training camp. But th- this, to me, on the front end with the uh, the defensive linemen and with the linebackers, seems like it could be the last thing to click into place because it's it's one of the harder things that Vic Fangio is asking them to do. But you have seen players, you have seen guys up front, whether it's Akeem Hicks or Draymond Jones, um, you know, guys that that have played well in this system along the defensive line. So I don't think it's impossible for Christian Wilkins. I don't think it's impossible for Zach Sealer. I think you just have this situation where unfortunately we have to be a little patient. Yeah. Yeah. One thing Vic Fangio can't be blamed for gents is the terrible tackling. No. And well, yeah, my, <laughs> my God, that, that, that play, uh, that was disheartening. <laughs> okay. Uh, goes on the spot and okay. You're giving up a, a big completion here. Oh, wait a minute. Now it's a 50 yard touchdown. Like that was not, that was suboptimal. Uh, one of our favorite words. Uh, we went from a shootout to chasing the scoreboard and that was just not good. Uh, Javon Holland missing a tackle in the flat on third down of all downs to a tight end. And there goes the conversion on third down later on in that drive. It's another touchdown. Maybe, maybe you get off the field there and it changes the game a little bit. They just couldn't, they just couldn't get off the field. Uh, they, uh, I, I think I saw a stat and I got to confirm this, but there was four missed tackles on third downs that led to four third down conversions and they only converted six. So essentially they could have stopped four out of the six that they converted. Like, come on. And, uh, you know that that uh, a split second late, uh, half a second too late. Um, somehow Bradley Chubb got some quarterback hits, and I noticed one because it's it's one of the touchdowns uh, where he comes inside and he gets the hit on Josh Allen, but he gets rid of it as soon as he's as soon as he gets hit. Uh, I'm very concerned that two teams have decided to slant their their blocking toward Bradley Chubb, and 
One, he was successful against against New England, but that was because New England had really, really inferior players. And then Andrew Van Ginkle, of course, took advantage of it. In this game, the good news is that Andrew Van Ginkle took advantage of it again. Uh, the bad news is that slanting their, their pass protection toward Bradley Chubb completely erased him to the tune of, like I said, two quarterback hits, and I don't know where he got the second one, and one pressure. That is not good enough. That is not worth the pick that you gave up. Although it was it was going to be what pick twenty five, so you know, yeah. but the hundred and ten million man, that is it is looking worse by the day. Mm-hmm. Like I could I could I could see where you could use those resources somewhere else. Uh, he is not having a good go of it. He better start beating up on some of these weak sisters, and it's not going to get any easier because Andrew Thomas comes into town, and he's legitimately playing as good as any left tackle. Although he's injured, so he I don't know if he's if he's going to play tonight mm-hmm. against the the Seahawks. So that's one that bears watching. But if he plays, uh, you know, congratulations, Bradley Chubb. You you got yourself another tough matchup. Just looking at their inactives, actually. Um, let's see. So just uh, where are we? Game time. Giants inactives. Where are we? Inactives, inactives, inactives. The inactives are Saquon, uh, Bobby McCain, Jaravius Owens, Andrew Thomas inactive. So that is okay. good news for for Miami, especially on a short week. Speaking of short weeks, we will be back on Thursday to preview the Giants coming into town. We're off to watch the Seahawks hopefully take the Giants into overtime late into the night on the West Coast, having to travel back short week to play the 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 track team of the Dolphins at the weekend. I hope that we've been able to offer you some solace. You probably had a shitty day thinking that the world is ending. I can promise you, promise you it is not. We shall bounce back next Sunday, I have no doubt, back in the warm weather of Miami. Three road games out of the way, uh, and we are three and one. Lots to be positive about, lots to do in terms of coaching, but the world has not ended. Thanks for your company, as always, and we shall see you on Thursday evening for the preview. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Carry. You can subscribe via iTunes on Podbean or your usual podcast provider. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.